You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Tonight, we're continuing on our year-long series called Real Life. Everybody say Real Life. If the Bible does not address real life, if Jesus came and what he did does not uh, speak to and impact real life, then what, what, what is it? What is it? So we're, we're here by assignment talking about real life issues. This is almost biblical counseling for the group on Wednesday night. It's to help you with certain issues, but it's also then to help you to help others. And uh, last week, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, my wife brought the groceries here uh, last, last Wednesday. But we have, we have an invitation card. You can get these. We have bunches of these out there. This would be a good way to invite people. Number one way to reach people is invitational uh, evangelism. And that happens out of a relationship. And so this helps. There's a little description on the back, service times, address, and so forth on the back about the Real Life series on the, on the front. It's got the Real Life logo and also the, the website and so forth. It's all right there. And so be directing people to church. Be directing people to the website. The website is such an amazing tool and weapon for the kingdom so that we can get, get the word of God out. Amen? All right. Good deal. Well, we're going to dive in tonight, talk about something I don't know if y'all have ever heard about. It's called guilt. John the Baptist looked up one day and he said, behold, and we sang about this tonight. And I did not ask for these songs, but it was wonderful how all this tied together. John the Baptist looked up and he said, behold, the lamb of God that does what? Takes away the sins of the world. Now, if he came and took away the sins of the world, how many of you know any job that Jesus did? He did completely. Jesus took away the, the penalty. He took away the power of it. And he took away the mess of it as we allow him to do that. And part of what happens with with sin and and things related to it is the guilt that goes with it. And we want to learn to get free of that tonight and learn some things concerning that. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 tonight says, For godly sorrow, just go ahead and say that, godly sorrow. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation. Not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Now, this godly sorrow here, sorrow is the Greek word lupe, and it it means heaviness, grief, pain, guilt. I've felt it. You've felt it. How many of you ever had a bad attitude, done the wrong thing, ran your mouth, whatever it would be? Come on, some of y'all clammed up when I said ran your mouth. <laughs> and at the moment, heat of the moment, whatever. But then later you feel godly sorrow. You need to respond to that. I said you need to respond to that. It leads you to something. It leads you to repentance. It leads you to turn from going in that direction. And it will produce and lead you to salvation or wholeness. There's a godly sorrow. Now, I'll tell this story just briefly, but in the first year or two of the church, there was a man in the church who um, took advantage of a young woman in the church. She's very vulnerable. There are a number of challenges and situations in her life, and, and he took advantage of that. And when I found out about it, I called him in. And I wanted 
to punch him in the throat. You're saying, that doesn't sound like a pastor thing to do. I know. (laughs) So I didn't do it. But I wanted to. I think I may have even told him that. But I said, I want you to listen to me. And I said, what you've done is so wrong. He goes, I know, I know. And, and I gave him opportunity and he, he humbled himself and he was apologetic. And I drew some boundary for, for him and so forth. And I said, but I'm going to tell you one thing, though. I'm, I'm going to pray for you before you leave. But I'm going to pray that this godly sorrow camps out on you till it does its complete work. And I saw him cry for about three weeks. And, you know, I don't get to direct traffic on that. Otherwise, boy, I'd be directing traffic on that. (laughs) Wouldn't you? You know, Lord, make that one feel really bad, you know. But there is the heavy hand of the Lord. And a godly sorrow. And listen to me, if if you're on the wrong track, you, you do some wrong things, you handle things in the wrong way, the Holy Spirit will come. And there will be a godly sorrow. There'll be a heaviness. There'll be a, a, an internal pain almost, a sense of, of guilt that's actually very healthy. It's very healthy. You know, when we correct our children, you know, we're quick to reaffirm them. We're quick to reset. We're quick to love them and, and assure them of that. But we also have to allow a little time. You have to allow a little bit to know this consequence really there is consequence. It's not like, okay, you know, sometimes we watch super nanny on TV, you know, and they put them in timeout for 11 seconds. And then they say, okay, tell me you're sorry. And they go, sorry. Okay, good. You know, and they go off, you know, and it's like, come on. And I'm, I'm a little more old school and scriptural on raising kids, but I would require of them some kind of interaction back to me, heartfelt. And and I'm not going to go into child rearing and all of that, but it is important though, that not only that we're quickly reaffirmed, but also that they, they felt it. And I don't know how we did this. I mean, we've five children. I mean, I know how we did that, but, um, (laughs) um, stay with me how we did this raising our children, but the last two. And, and if this offends you, just read your Bible, okay? We, we believe that if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And you use the rod, you spare them from death. Now, we're not talking about beating the mud at anybody, okay? We're talking about there's a right way to do it, and we've done it the right way. My parents, however, did not know the right way. But um, <laughs> they felt it was needful for my circulatory system. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, first three, you know, they really got their fair share. My last two, if they just sense your disapproval and they respond so quickly and so right, and I don't know what it is. Maybe the older ones told them, you know, anyway, let's keep plowing with this guilt. Guilt is a state or fact that you've committed wrong, sin, transgression, some kind of violation. So if you've done something wrong, how many of you have ever done something wrong? Then the fact is there's guilt. Okay. My daughter, Elise, she would be in the first three that did get spanked. Um, there were times when she was little and what a beautiful child. 
There are times when she was little, she would be on Alicia's lipstick. And she'd crank it out, you know how they go? And she'd put it all over, you know, just have it all over. And then she'd hear Alicia or I coming, and rather than crank it down, she'd just put the lid on. So she's like, you know. So then she'd have it on her fingers and she'd put it up. And Alicia walked in on her more than once and said, are you in my makeup? No, no, ma'am. No, I'm not in there. No, no, ma'am. And it's just all over her. How many of you are like that sometimes? Been like that, okay. And, um, but when you do something wrong, there's guilt. There's guilt. It's a, it's a fact. It's a state of being that you are guilty. Also with that is a feeling. Now the feeling is the responsibility and the, and the remorse. There are some people that have dealt with guilt so long that they no longer feel it. Or they try to mask it in a number of ways. That's why pirates drink heavily. But it's a feeling of responsibility or remorse. And then it can also lead to actions and behavior. So talking about guilt and sin and wrong and so forth. I just think it'd be healthy if we took about, I don't know, a minute or two. And I want you to tell your neighbor your deepest, darkest sins. Okay, just take a minute and do do that. No, I'm joking. Stop. Just joking. All right. With guilt, let's look at this real quick. With guilt, it's, it's a state. It's a fact. Okay, I did that wrong. So who's guilty of that? I am. You are. And then also then there's a feeling that goes with it. But there's two, two types of guilt. There's a true guilt. And there's a false guilt. Now the true guilt, and we're going to deal with both of these tonight. The true guilt is you stole a cookie, you told a lie, you did something worse, you did it. You did something. You actually did something, you actually uh, failed to do something, or you failed at something, you're at fault. And the thing about guilt is it requires some kind of penalty, some kind of punishment. Okay? Then there's a false guilt. Well, let me go back to this real quick. Ecclesiastes 7.20. This has to do with guilt because some of y'all acting, looking at me like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Guilt, failure, sin. Ecclesiastes 7.20 in the New Living says this, not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. In today's English version, it says this, there's no one on earth who does what is right all the time and never makes a mistake. So just, I just blew everyone's cover, okay? So even as believers, how many of you know, since you've come to Jesus and you know how wonderful and gracious he is, You've had true guilt. Okay. Then you have false guilt. False guilt is usually based on wrong expectations. You put wrong expectations on yourself. Oh, I could have, I could have done something about that. I could have stopped that. I could have whatever. Or it's expectations, uh, wrong expectations from somebody else. It's like, um, you know, I wrote in my notes. I just kind of had in my mind. Uh, it's like. You and a couple of your buddies say, hey, mom, we're, we're going to go out. We're going to go bowling or whatever. And so you're going to be fine. Yeah, sure, sure. Y'all go have fun. Leave your poor, sick, lonely mother by herself. But you have fun. I'll be fine with my sick, lonely self. But you have fun. You know, and, and people can put things on us. And maybe you had somebody do that for you before. you go. Oh, no, I'm good. You go, you know. And, and they can put that on us. And that's a, a light way. There, there's some 
some family dynamics sometimes among some families. It's, it's just, well, there you go. The enemy loves to put false guilt on you. He's the accuser of the brethren. He loves to make you feel guilty. Because when you feel guilty, it binds you. When you feel guilty, it destroys your confidence. When you feel guilty, it discourages you. When you feel guilty, there's not much prayer going on. When you feel guilty, you're, you're not concerned about getting somebody else to church or to Jesus. When you're feeling guilty, you know, it, it binds you. But Jesus came to set you free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So we want to be aware of this. Another reason why people are susceptible to false guilt are issues of self-worth. And uh, my prescription would be last Wednesday night's message that Alicia gave you on self-worth. I'm telling you that was a masterpiece and not just because she's my wife. That was a masterpiece. And so that will help you also because when your self-worth is healthy, when you understand that, then you don't allow those, those wrong expectations, that false guilt uh, to come upon you. You do need to understand that the Holy Spirit will convict you. He will confront you. He will correct you, but the Holy Spirit will never condemn you. He does not condemn you. He will give you a sense of godly sorrow, of conviction. That's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict and to reprove us concerning sin. Now, this is a big statement, but I want you to hear it and then I'm going to back it up. Okay. There is always forgiveness from God for what you are guilty of. Now, there may not be forgiveness from some other people. Now, two weeks ago, I talked to you about you needing to forgive and how to do that, even if it's something severe. But you can always receive forgiveness from God for whatever you are guilty of. So I want to move on to a couple of things here. Sin, offense, transgressions require penalty. They require payment. Hebrews 9.22. I want you to watch this verse very carefully. Are you all with me tonight? Hebrews 9.22 says, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood and without shedding of blood, there is no remission. Now we don't have time to go back and build that just incredible system and picture of the Old Testament uh, types and shadows of sacrifices and atonement. But there would be, and the high priest would, would make offerings once a year for the sins of all. But Jesus came and did it once for all. Once, just one time for all. It was enough to do it. The other was a type and shadow. The other was foreshadowing what would come. And then Jesus came. The, the lambs and the goats and the bulls and the things that were offered up as a sacrifice, as a blood sacrifice in the Old Testament, were pointing to the Lamb of God that I opened up with, that, G, that John the Baptist says, the Lamb of God. And he would be the sacrifice. He would shed his blood. Because I'm going to tell you, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. This is huge. Now, some religions, some denominations have totally steered around the blood because that's not politically correct. Politically correct will get you stuck in a ditch. It will paint you in a corner and it will not produce, it will not produce what it's trying to produce. You've got to be scripturally correct. And you need to understand that the blood of Jesus, without the blood of Jesus, your sins, you are lost in your sins. And hell is going to last a long time. Actually take time out of there. 
Because there'll be no time. It will just be forever. But without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And if we died for our own sins, it would not, it has to be a pure sacrifice. Jesus was the only one. He was the only spotless lamb that could be the sacrifice and shed his blood for us. You know, people died. There were plenty of people, thousands of people that were crucified. Sometimes, and this is horrible, and I I won't get too graphic on this. Just what I tell you will be graphic enough. There were times where they would crucify so many people. And they they would line the roads with crosses with people on them. And they could, after a certain while, after the body began to decay, use it as a torch, as a street light. Thousands of people. All those people died, but not one of those people, their blood, their death, could take away our sins. It had to be the Lamb of God. The perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And we're not waiting on Him to come anymore. He has come. And He completed that substitutionary atonement work on the cross for you and for I. And He shed His blood so that there is the remission, the taking away of our sins. And in doing that complete job, that also takes away our guilt. Y'all with me? Now that's an abbreviation of the whole Bible right there. First John chapter one, verse five, and I'm going to read into the next chapter. It's not that many verses. It says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not tell the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Get this next line. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let's read that part again. The blood, read it with me. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all, from what? From all, from, help me again, from all sin. Read it one more time. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Let me, let me continue on. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, now here's the best that you don't sin. But he said, but if you do sin, we have an advocate with the father. Somebody say, amen. Amen. We have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins. And not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. Woo! Do I have to read that again for y'all? It's incredible. The, the sacrifice of Jesus was so incredible. It didn't just take care of your sins. Now, I don't want anybody to brag here tonight, but how many of you used to be really good sinners? I mean, you were full time. You planned on it. You organized it. You'd go broke to do it. Take loans. 
be amazing if people get that excited and committed about the kingdom of God. You'd recruit people. You'd invite them to your sins. Come on, sin with us. It's going to be awesome. Later, you won't even remember most of it. And we're laughing. But you know what? We've so damaged ourselves. We've damaged ourselves spirit. We've damaged ourselves soulishly, emotionally, relationally, financially, physically. Come on. Because that's the devil's game. There's no reward in it. And we couldn't even pay for our own sins. And Jesus came such a severe penalty. The wages of sin is what? Death. Death. Somebody had to pay it. He paid it. But not just for, he was such a sacrifice, the supreme sacrifice. It took care of not only my sins, which was a load, and your sins, which was a load, and our sins, which was a load, but the sins of the whole world. That means for all of history, of all mankind, he paid a price that was sufficient enough to satisfy the debt and the penalty of all of our sins. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, tonight. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you to notice back in verse 7, I had us read it several times. It's the blood. It's the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, that cleanses us from sin. That's what does it. It's the blood. And as a result of that, then we, it cleanses us from all sin, as it says here. And those two things are paramount here in this passage. That here's what. Here's what happens. We get cleansed from all sin and we have fellowship restored with God. Now, Isaiah 53 talks about it. Uh, 53, five, and you can go there later and look at it, but it says he was wounded. Follow this. He was wounded for our transgressions. A wound is outward. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's inward. Transgressions are outward. Iniquities are inside. How many of you have done some things before that others could see were sin? How many of you have had some things hidden in your heart and your mind, your attitudes and motives and things on the inside no one could see? But they were ugly. You didn't know ugly was three syllables. It is. It gets that bad. He paid the price for that. And get this. The word iniquities in the Hebrew also includes the idea of guilt. And the chastisement needful to obtain our Peace was upon him. You don't have peace if you have guilt. And he came and paid the price so that not only are we forgiven outside and inside, but also that he could take away that guilt. Thank you, Lord. So what do we do with this? First John 1 9. And if you write down anything tonight, write this down. First John 1 9. And it says this, that if we... Confess. Everybody say confess. Confess means to admit, to acknowledge, to say the same thing as. So it doesn't mean that, Lord, I had a miscalculation today. Or, you know, my frailties. What does God call it? Sin. God, what I did was wrong and it was sin. It was ugly. And I think you need to get a little bit into it and not just gloss over when you take time before God. Now, when should I confess, Pastor? As soon as possible. 
as soon as possible. I don't want to carry the godly sorrow around any longer than I have to. And you just need to get to God and get this right. The Holy Spirit's saying, you need to come to me. You need to come to me. It's almost like a note that he puts it, puts in your little memo box. We need to talk. Come here and clean you up. We got to get this right. And so you need to come back to, but if we confess, it's important that we confess. It's important that we acknowledge you have to admit and say, don't do like some people do. Well, I apologize if that hurt you. No, you say, I apologize that that hurt you. Even if it wasn't your intention. Okay. Now let's go back and take it to God. Father, what I did was wrong in your eyes and in mine. It's sin. It's wrong. And you need to admit that and, and acknowledge it. In Psalm 51, verse 3, it says this. David said, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. So it's important that we acknowledge that we humble ourselves and express some remorse. I mean, if you go to God and just go, sorry, I sinned. God's looking at the what? At the heart. And there needs to be some humility. There needs to be some remorse when you come before God. In Luke 18, 13, it says the tax collector standing far off. Look at his humility here. Would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I mean, because of his remorse and his humility, he wouldn't even look up to heaven. Now, thank God, because of what Jesus has done for us, we can come boldly to the throne and say, Father, I've I've blown it. I've, I've sinned in your eyes and my eyes. But it's important, first of all, that we confess. Everybody say confess. Then 1 John 1, 9 also says this. If we confess our sins, follow this. If we confess our sins, he is two things. Faithful and just. Say it. Faithful and just means you can count on him doing it. And not only that, he's the only one qualified to do it. Faithful and just. So if we confess our sins, he is, he is present tense, faithful and just to here's the, here's the bonus here. Forgive us of our sins and everybody say, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if, if you confess, He is to you faithful and just, and then you are present tense, forgiven and cleansed. Present tense. You may have done something a half hour ago, but you go to your heavenly father and you confess. Now I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't keep short accounts, you're not going to remember them all. Okay. And, and plus it's our nature. There are just some things we're not, but I'm going to tell you the Holy spirit, listen to the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit will, will put godly sorrow about some certain things. And, and he'll be pointing out things to you, but this is the thing. Those things that you have godly sorrow about, you make sure that you describe back to God. This is wrong that I did this. It's sin. It's wrong. It hurts me. It hurts my family. It hurts people that trust me. It hurts this. It hurts you. That's why Jesus came to pay the price. And, and you confess, you admit, you acknowledge. And he is faithful and just. And then he will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you confess, 
He is faithful and just. And then you are forgiven and cleansed. It's a wonderful thing to be forgiven and cleansed. Now, sometimes we're forgiven and cleansed. And I'm only going to take a few moments to do this. And this is kind of what I do. Okay. Have you ever done this before? Confessed to God, admitted it, asked for forgiveness. And you know that you are you really don't feel f- fully feel it yet. How I many you know it sure f- feels better when you do feel it? Come on. Okay. Psalm 51. And I'm not going to take all the time right now to, to do this. But I want you later to read verse 1 through 13. Psalm 51, verse 1 through 13. This is David's psalm of repentance. And David said that while I kept quiet... And I did not acknowledge or confess my sins. He said, my bones grew weak and heavy and your hand was upon me. He said, it was just, my energy was just sapped. That was godly sorrow. And Nathan, the prophet came to him and shared a little, for instance, and David said, oh, that man should pay. And the finger of the prophet went into his face and said, you are the man. And because he had a heart toward God and things of God, he repented. Now, let me just say this, that when you confess, don't you treat this lightly. Don't you treat the sacrifice of Jesus lightly. When you confess your sins of God, your heart should be, God, I don't want to do this again. It's not just so I can feel a little bit better and then, you know, later we'll, we'll get back there. No, your heart should be, I, I never Want that to happen again. God help me. So Psalm 51 gives us a few things that would help us in this. I'm just going to highlight these real quick. In verse 10, he says this. Create in me a clean heart. That word create is the same word that's used for create. uh, The way you think it would. What it means throughout the Old Testament. And it's to make a new one. It's an act of creative newness. It's a fresh start. That he would create in me, in you, a clean heart. Also to renew. And the word renew means to repair and make like new. To renew a right, loyal, stable, fixed, steadfast spirit within you. So you're receiving forgiveness and cleansing. But now ask God as David did. I do this. Create in me a clean heart. It's almost like God give me a brand new slate, fresh start. And renew, repair and make like new a spirit within me that my spirit, my attitude, my being would be steadfast and loyal and consistent toward you. Because that will set you up so that you don't repeat sin. Folks, if we're growing in God, we should be gaining victory. Now, next week, I'm going to talk. I'm not done yet. But next week, I'm going to talk to you about overcoming temptation. And letting you know that sin does not have dominion over you. And I'm going to tell you how to overcome temptation. So you stop caving in. You've been buying a lie. And you need to understand what Jesus has come to do. He who the sun sets free is free indeed. Then in verse 11, he says this, do not cast me away from your presence. Wouldn't it be horrible that if you sinned and he gave you the drop kick? Get out of here. You're dead to me. Get away from me. 
No. And David prayed something that he said, don't cast me away from your presence. Now, I know this. I know from the preponderance of scripture, he'll not cast me away from his presence. But I still pray that in the words of David. Because I just want to establish again that he won't. I want to declare again my gratitude that he won't. Because of what he has done for me. Cast me not away from your presence and and get this one too. And don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Will he take his Holy Spirit? He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But it's to establish again that I understand that he won't drive me out of his presence and he won't take his Holy Spirit from me. Now, let me show you an incredible verse and then we're going to kind of wrap this up tonight. Hebrews chapter 9. This will be on the screen for you here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. Now, this is all by the blood of Christ. It says this. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer. Everybody say Old Testament. That's types and shadows that's leading up to this. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, watch carefully, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. That means perfect sacrifice. Watch this. Watch this. Cleanse your what? Did you know you can get your conscience cleaned? Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve or worship the living God. So not only am I forgiven and cleansed, not only can I have him create a clean new heart and renew a right and steadfast spirit within me. But I also listen by the blood of Christ based on the whole picture that he gave us of how all of this works. The blood of Christ will also cleanse your conscience. Can I tell you something? Where does guilt lodge? Where does it stay? It's in your conscience. That's the place where it stays. And I'm telling you what, that when you're forgiven and you're cleansed and God does this creative and renewing work on the inside of you also, also by the blood of Christ. And and listen, y'all need this. It will also cleanse your conscience. I don't, I have not in my, in my personal experience really had all memory of something taken away, but he cleansed my conscience from the dead works. And you know what? I'm sure that there are things I don't remember that really is the work of God that he's taken that out of the way. Cleanse my conscience. Say that. Cleanse my conscience. Cleanse my conscience. And how many of you know somebody that probably needs their conscience cleansed? Okay. Okay, good. Four of you, the rest of you are going, it's me, it's me. Okay. (laughs) Cleanse your conscience. Get this from dead works so that you might serve and worship the living God. And then here's the last thing I'll share with you. Psalm 51 verse 12. This is still part of David's, uh, prayer of repentance. He said this, get this part here. Read it with me. Go ahead and read it with me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And I save that for last and restore to me the joy, because you know what? I want to feel it. I want to know it. Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. 
The message Bible says this, bring me back from gray exile and put fresh wind in my sails. You listen to me. Don't carry around sin. Keep short accounts with God. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sin. We have that access to the Father. You know what the enemy tries to do with this guilt, both true and false? You can't go to God. You're a sinner. You messed up. You blew it. But Jesus came and made a new and a living way. He made a wide open 20 lane bridge that you can go right into the presence of God with all your imperfections and sin and everything else and come and you have free access to him. You can come boldly, say boldly. You can come boldly and say, Father, it's me. And I did this and you already know it, but now I confess it to you and go through what I've shared with you tonight. Confess it to him and he's faithful and just. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll create within you a clean heart. He'll renew a right and steadfast spirit within you. And by the blood of Christ, he will even cleanse your conscience and he will even restore to you the joy of your salvation. That's an awesome thing. We thank God for that tonight. You get anything out of this tonight? Thank you, Lord.